about you guys, but I'm a fan of like military movies, war movies, especially those that are historically accurate. Um, there's a particular movie that I've always loved, uh, but it's kind of hard to watch, Saving Private Ryan. Um, it's, it's an incredible movie, very difficult to watch, heartbreaking in so many different ways. Uh, but the premise of the story basically is this woman has multiple sons that are all serving in the military. And I believe like five of her sons are killed in action. She has one son that has yet to be killed. And so they decide, hey, we're going to bring that son home to this woman. And so they send a unit out to find this Private Ryan, this James Quincy Ryan, and, and bring him home to his mother. Well, along the way, uh, these men encounter enemy, you know, fire and all these different uh, obstacles trying to find this Private Ryan. Uh, they lose men, get killed from their company, men that they have friendships with, that they've been together for a long time, die in the search of this man that they don't even know. And then finally, by the grace of God, they're literally looking for a needle in a haystack. I mean, I mean, there's so many men just traveling across the countryside in Germany during the war to find this man. They finally find him. And they're like, yes, oh my gosh, we found him, right? And then they say, all right, you're coming with us. And he's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. They're like, are you kidding me? No, you are coming with us. And he's like, no, I can't abandon my unit. Like, we have a job to do here. And so... Those men, they could have said, hey, you know what? He said he didn't want to come with us. We're done. We're out of here. We've lost lives trying to find this guy, and he didn't want it, so we're gone. But they decided, hey, we're going to stay with you. We're going to persevere. They had some patience with him, and they said, okay, we're going to stand with you in this final um, objective that you have. And so they stuck with him and to defend this town, and, and along the way, most of the men in this unit end up dying and giving their lives to save this man so that he has a future and so they can bring him home. And that, that sounds like someone that we all know. <laughs> Jesus persevered and remained loyal to the end, even giving his own life so that we could have a future and a hope. One of the last things that he says on the cross was, Father, forgive them. He was still thinking of us. He pressed on, even when people didn't believe, even when people opposed him, even when the crowds who were praising him turned against him, even when his disciples abandoned him, he continued to press on and persevere, even giving up his life so that we might have a future. He never gave up on us. Amen? And that's what love does. It doesn't give up. It perseveres, it persists, and it remains loyal to the end. So the title of my message this morning is Never Give Up. 
Let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus, we ask God that you will speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. And so, Father, I just pray that anything that comes out of my mouth today that is not of you, I pray that it will fall to the ground and come to nothing, Lord. But I pray that your words will remain and be good seeds planted in good ground, God, in our hearts and bear fruit, lasting fruit in our lives. God, we want to hear from you. Lord, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we are closing out our series today on the law of love. I hope this series has been a blessing to you guys. Uh, But this is our final Sunday of this series, and we've covered a lot. A lot of different attributes of the love of God, right? Because it's huge, but we're still barely scratching the surface of God's love because it's as big as he is, right? When the, God is love. And so, so when we're looking at love, that's, that's a huge thing to understand and to grasp. But we've hit on a lot of different attributes over the last few weeks. And so what I want to do in our last Sunday is I want to go through and review really quick Uh, all the different things that we've covered in this series. And I'm going to send it out in an email to all of you uh, this week so you guys can have it and you can take it and use it. Uh, But there's been 22 different attributes that we've hit on over the last few weeks, and we're adding three more today. And so starting in week one, we've hit 22 different attributes of the love of God. So starting with number one, love sees. It sees people for who they are, and values them. It sees the beauty behind the brokenness. Love believes the best about others, crediting them with good intentions and not being suspicious. Love aggressively advertises the good in people. Aggressively advertises the good. Love isn't easily offended. Love doesn't keep an account of wrongs, but erases resentments. Love separates sin from sinners. Love isn't picky. Love doesn't react, it responds. Love doesn't require repayment. Love is kind to the ungrateful and unjust. Love is active in doing good. Love doesn't celebrate itself. Love serves and celebrates others. Love doesn't pursue personal significance. Love separates significance from service. Love invests in understanding. Love shares the burden. Love prioritizes tenderness. Love doesn't grow weary in compassion. And then last week, we learned that love protects. It stands up for the weak. It defends and holds people up when they can't be there to defend themselves. And love cares enough to say something. Man. That's, first of all, that's God's love for us. That's how he loves us. And we receive that from him. And then because we receive that, then we can freely give it out. And so finally, we come to today. And today, we're going to look at the attributes of love, of patience and perseverance. Patience and perseverance. Don't we all love patience? Everybody loves patience. It's, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful virtue. Patience and perseverance. But we see this in the life of Jesus. And like we've said before, if we want to know what love is, we have to look at who God is. If we want to know who God is, we have to look at who Jesus is. He's the visible image of the invisible God. 
Um, but we see both patience and perseverance in the 1 Corinthians 13 passage on love. And it actually opens and closes with those two attributes. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and then lastly, endures all things. It endures all things. So patience and perseverance are the bookends to this description of God's love, and they work together because patience is having a good attitude while we wait, right? It's not waiting. Patience is waiting because you have to wait one way or the other. Patience is how you wait, your attitude as you wait. And I was tested in this last night. I'll tell you about that later. Oh, Lord, help me. Of course, of course, right before, right before I'm preaching on it, I'm like, ah, I see what you're doing there, God. That's awesome. But patience and perseverance work together. And it closes, and then perseverance is the strength, having the strength to persist and to wait as God moves and to trust him in that. So let's look at what Jesus says about this. So there's a couple of different short parables where Jesus talks about persistence and perseverance. So let's look at Luke chapter 18, verse 1. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> That's awesome. He was, don't attack me. So she won't come and attack me. Verse six, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge, unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And then in Luke 11, the disciples are again asking how to pray. And Jesus tells them the Lord's prayer. By the way, if, if, Luke is a great book of the Bible. If you're wanting to see things, the teachings of Jesus in the context, chronological context of kind of where they happen, it's really eye-opening to see some of the teachings, the classic teachings or parables of Jesus, but in the context that Jesus gave them, uh, like what was happening before and after. It's really, really good. So definitely read Luke. Um, it's wonderful. Uh, but in verse 5, he says another parable. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, um, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I love that shameless audacity. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, 
and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. In the original Greek, it says asking, keep on asking. Seeking, keep on seeking. Knock, and keep on knocking. God says, don't give up on what is good and right and just. And if he's saying, don't give up, don't, don't give up persisting for justice for yourself, how much more on behalf of someone whom he loves and who we love. Don't give up on the people in your life and the people that God loves, his children. No matter what they're doing, no matter how far they've gone, no matter how many times they keep making the same mistakes, persist, keep on seeking God for them on their behalf. Keep on asking on their behalf. Keep on knocking on the door of God on their behalf. And Jesus doesn't just tell us to persist. He exemplifies it in his life, right? And we see that in his, in his death and his sacrifice, but also in his relationships. And so the best thing to look at is the people closest to Jesus, which the, those closest to him were his 12, right? His disciples. And how many of you guys know the hardest people to have patience with are the ones that are closest to us, right? Namely, your spouse, probably, <laughs> or your kids, or, or whatever. It's hard to have patience with those we know because we're always around them. We see their imperfections time and time again. We see their insecurities, their brokenness, their weird quirks, and we, you know, it's hard. It gets on our nerves. Right, So it's hard to have patience with those that are close to us. And I, I would say the same thing would be, the same, same is true for Jesus. I mean, the people that were closest to him. In fact, there's a scripture I'm going to read later where you can actually see a little bit of that frustration in Jesus. Um, but his disciples, man, they did some dumb stuff. You know what I mean? Like they just did. And he had patience with them. And a lot of them were very young, like very young. But he, you see his patience with his disciples when they say, hey, these people are kind of resisting us. Hey, Jesus, do you think we could, like, call down fire from heaven and have it consume them and kill them? And Jesus is like, no, of course not. What, 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 what are you, why would you even ask that? Do you know what spirit you're of? No, we can't call down fire and kill people that we don't like, okay? That's not the way this works. Right? Or when the disciples discourage people from ministering because they're not a part of their group. Jesus is like, no, don't tell them not to minister in my name. If they're not against us, they're for us. It's good. Don't discourage them. And then the disciples are like, oh, kids? No, no. Jesus doesn't want to see these kids. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Stop. Bring the kids to me. I love the kids. Bring them, bring them over. And so you see it time and time again. Right, the disciples, and he just had patience with them. And one of the things I think we really see is him telling his disciples time and time again that he's going to die. That he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be handed over to the religious leaders. They're going to crucify him. He's going to die, and three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. So you see him continually tell his disciples this over and over and over again, and over and over and over again, they don't get it. I don't get it. And you see it. So the first time happens in Luke 9, 21. He gives his first prediction of his death. And then again, so they don't get it the first time. And then again in Luke 9, 44, he says, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. So he's, he's telling them, hey, listen up. Another translation says, let these words sink down into your ears. <laughs> I want you to listen closely. Got it? Yeah. Got it? Eye contact? Eye contact? Okay. 
And he says, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. He goes on to describe it, but they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. So again, the second time, they still don't get it. And then yet again in Luke 18, verse 31, Jesus took the 12 aside and he told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. He's given a very, very descriptive account. And on the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. So the whole point of why he came, to be the sacrificial lamb, to give his life so that they could be forgiven, all of that, all that the prophets pointed to, to the Messiah suffering and dying on behalf of the people, taking their sins upon him. He kept telling them over and over again, they still weren't getting it. And then the night before he dies, okay, so this is at the end of three long years he spent with his disciples. In John 14, you see it again. Verse 7, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, I'm sure Philip was like, after he said this, he's like, I shouldn't have said anything. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So again, they still, at the end of his life, they still weren't getting it. And so then he, he begins in 15 and 16 of John, he begins to really lay it out for them plainly. No parables, just telling them the way it is. And so then Judas is really excited. He's like, wow, this is great. You're not talking in parables anymore. We finally get it. And then look at what Jesus says in John 16. He says, do you now believe? Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home, you will leave me all alone. So Jesus, right before he dies, at the end of his life, yet again, his disciples still weren't getting it. Not only that, but he knew they were going to reject him and abandon him, and he was going to be alone, facing death and torture, carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, and the very 12 men that he had poured into for three years were going to leave him. So does Jesus just say, you know what, guys? I'm just, I'm done. I'm done with you. You're still not getting it. I don't know what I have to do. And, and not only that, I know you're going to reject me anyways. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't give up on them. Look at what he says. In verse 33, in response to all of this, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So instead of giving up on them, he encourages them and he cares for their hearts. 
even though he knows they're going to reject him, even though he knows they're going to mess up, he doesn't give up. He continues to persevere. He continues to believe the best. He continues to speak to their future and to affirm them. Even after they tried to call down fire from heaven on people, even after they tried to discourage people from ministering, even after they fell asleep at his darkest hour and he tells them, hey, would you, I, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to the point of death. Will you just stay and watch and pray with me? And then he comes back and they're asleep. Even after they try to kill the temple guards and Peter slices an ear off and they still didn't get it. And even after they take him into custody and everyone rejects him and abandons him, Peter, his closest, denies him three times. And even after his death, they all go back to their old profession of fishing. Jesus still didn't give up on them. He still persevered and remained loyal to them, even to the end. And we see the fruit of it, don't we? That, that guy, Peter, who messed up, yeah, he was the one on Pentecost who was preaching. And these 12 men who doubted him even after they saw him after he had resurrected from the dead, they ended up changing the world. But Jesus never gave up on them. So what do we learn about love here? Number one, we learn that love has patience with imperfect people. Love has patience with imperfect people. And by imperfect people, I mean everyone. <laughs> That's every person in this room. <laughs> Love has patience with imperfect people. Why? Because we're all broken. We're all imperfect. We all have our bad days. We all have our insecurities. We all have our times where we miss the mark, right? And so empathy actually creates a path for patience. Because when we can empathize and understand where someone's coming from, when we can have that vulnerability and realize, oh, you know what? They, they probably had a really bad day. And we can believe the best about them and we can, we can credit them with good intentions. Even though they might have said something that was outside of their character or done something that maybe rubbed us the wrong way, because of empathy and understanding they're imperfect and I'm imperfect, okay, I can have grace and I can have patience. So empathy helps create a path towards patience with imperfect people. Jesus, <clears throat> although there were times where he got frustrated, <clears throat> in Luke 9, the disciples try to cast out a demon from this young boy, and they couldn't do it, so then the father comes to Jesus and says, hey, your disciples couldn't do anything. Can you do something, please? Jesus says in Luke 9, 41, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? So he's, he's a little frustrated, right? But then what does he do? Bring your son here to me. And he heals him. And he delivers him. He never stopped loving, caring, healing, forgiving, restoring. No matter how hard-headed the disciples were or the people around him, Jesus had patience. He is long-suffering. 
It's hard. It's hard to be patient with people. Last night, I'll give you my little example. So I, w- I, was, I was at work, and I was in between shifts. I had 30 minutes between two shifts yesterday and had to go get some food, eat something, and then come back, right? So I had just like 30 minutes, and I was like, this is enough time. I get up to like a McDonald's or something, and I can get in the drive-thru line, and I'm like, oh, there's plenty of time. This is great. Oh, good. I'll get some food. This will be awesome. So I'm waiting in line, and then we get up to the window. There's one car in front of me, and, and I got plenty of time. And then the car in front of me, the one car, before I get to the window, decides this person wants to take forever. And they're, and they're like waiting, and then they're talking to the person in the window, and the person in the window is like, huh? And they're looking back, and they're like, huh? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> give them their food. And then they give them their drinks, and then they come to the window again, and then they're talking again, and I'm like looking at the clock. I'm going to have to leave this line and not eat because you are taking forever. And so I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated. Just, just a little bit. Um, and so I'm just asking, what are you doing? I'm being very loud. What are you, I wonder if they could hear me. Um, what are you doing? And so at that moment, the Holy Spirit kind of taps me on the shoulder a little bit. Hey, uh, remember what you're preaching on tomorrow? I was talking to Katie on the phone. I was like, all right, babe, I need to, I need to let you go and turn on some, like, worship music or something here <laughs> so I can just calm down, right? But it's hard. It's hard to, especially if you're, you're tired, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, right? Halt, you know, because that's when the enemy comes knocking. But even with, in our marriage, with our kids, um, it, it can be difficult to have patience, but again, the Holy Spirit comes in and steps in. When we come to the end of ourselves, that's where God begins, amen? And so he gives us the grace to have patience with imperfect people. All right, number two, love never gives up on people but affirms their future. Love never gives up on people but affirms their future. John 21, verse 15 so Peter, we see, he had denied Jesus three times. He, he went out as soon as he realized he, that it happened, the rooster crowed. And Luke, it says that he actually caught eyes with Jesus through a window as they were beating him. And he remembered that Jesus said he would deny him three times. And he went out and the Bible says he wept bitterly. So he's not feeling great. Look at what Jesus does in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus restored Peter. He didn't give up on him. 
and he didn't let him sit with that guilt. Can you imagine how that could have hindered Peter going forward if Jesus let that just sit? He says, no, not only have I not given up on you, but I'm going to affirm your future. You're going to be a shepherd to my people. This is what you did, but this is who you are, and this is what you're going to do. Affirming, affirming, affirming. No matter what he did, affirming his future, letting him know, I know what I have planned for you, and it is good no matter what you've done, no matter what you are currently doing, I've got a plan. I had the opportunity to talk to someone actually last night as well. It's so funny. God gave me all these different opportunities. Um, but this particular person had said, if this and this doesn't happen, then I'm not going to have a reason to live. And... And I just felt the Holy Spirit and God just speaking. And I stopped. I was sitting there like loading up boxes and I stopped and I turned around. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not true. That's a lie. It's like, because God, God sees you and he loves you and he has a plan for you. And there were, and this particular person had two different times where they almost died in a car accident. They should have died. And they lived. I was like, his hand is on you. <clears throat> God calls us to affirm the future of the people in our life. No matter how far gone they are, no matter what they've done, let's not give up. Let's affirm their future. Number three, love perseveres and remains loyal to the end. Love perseveres and remains loyal to the end. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said after his resurrection, the last thing he says before he ascends into heaven, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is loyal to his kids. He will always be with us. He will always be for us. He always sees us. He always loves us. And just like Psalms 23 says, his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord, how long? Forever. All the days of our life, his goodness and mercy will follow us. He perseveres and remains loyal to the very end. So the question is, when do we give up on someone? When is it, when have they gone too far? When, when is it the time to kind of cut them off? Well, the answer is never. We never give up on someone. Now, there may be a time where God says, hey, you need to create some healthy boundaries in your life. You need to not enable them. You need to maybe cut them off a little bit because that's going to be what's best for them. And God might ask you to, to trust him with their life. And instead of living into maybe codependency and trying to save them and rescue them when you can't do that, God says, give them to me and trust them to me. And I will care for them. Does that mean we give up on them? No. 
No, we act like the friend and the widow where we have shameless audacity in our persistence in prayer. And so we might trust God with them. We might create some healthy boundaries, but we never give up on them. We affirm their future when we have the opportunity to speak to them. We have patience with their imperfections and we persevere and remain loyal to them even to the end. And if the only thing that we can do is pray, that's a lot. Because when we pray, God is working and his work is a lot more productive than ours. (laughs) So we never give up. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this love? I want to close with this. How do we freely receive this incredible love and persistence and perseverance that God has, his patience with us? And he's long-suffering. He isn't consistently disappointed with you. God's not disappointed. In order for him to be disappointed, he would have to be surprised. And he's never surprised. So he's not disappointed, okay? He's not disappointed with you. This is what he does. He forgives and he corrects. He forgives and he redirects, he corrects, and he points you back to himself. You were darkness, you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. God sees you for who you are, not what you've done, and he defines you by the blood of his son and his sacrifice, not your mistakes. So he's not holding it against you. He'll correct us. He'll speak the truth in love, absolutely because he loves us, because he cares enough to say something. But he hasn't given up on you. Don't let the devil lie to you and keep you from coming to God. You know, David was considered like a man after God's own heart. And one of the reasons why I think that is, because David definitely wasn't perfect. (laughs) So why was he a man after God's own heart? I really believe because when David messed up, he ran to God instead of running from him. And that's what God wants. Come to me in your brokenness. Come to me and you're going to find life. Don't run from me, run to me. God hasn't given up on you and he won't ever. He never will. God loved you before the beginning and he will love you beyond the end. Isn't that amazing? He knew you before the foundation of the world and he loved you. Before you were born, he loved you and he's gonna love you long after you die. Forever with him. That's the love of God. And then how do we freely give? So we freely receive. How do we freely give? Can we look past the imperfections of our fellow brothers and sisters and believe in the goodness of God in them and his incredible plan for them? Good works are waiting, right? They're they're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him for them to walk in. There's all these amazing good works that he's prepared before them for them to walk in. There's a plan for their life. He wants to give them a future and a hope. And so we have to align with what he says about them. Listen, we are here today as a church because you all believed in God's calling on this church body. 
And you didn't, you didn't give up, but you affirm the future of this body of believers. And that's why it's still here today. Because you persevered. And that's what God can do. So when you see someone struggling, double down on hope for their future. When you see someone struggling, double down on affirming their future. No matter what they've done, no matter how far gone they may be. Because God's doing it. Let's align our hearts with him. Let's speak it into existence. And if they won't hear it, then let's bring it to God. Amen? So let's, uh, let's take a moment, just right where we are, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you speaking to me right now? Lord, I want to hear from you. And it might be something completely different. God might have highlighted something or brought something to mind that doesn't have to do with the message. That's fine. What is God saying? Holy Spirit, will you speak to us? What are you speaking to us this morning? Father, our hearts are open to listen and to obey. Lord, will you give us the grace to trust in your unfailing love? To run to you instead of running from you when we make mistakes because we know that you're loyal to the end. Lord, give us grace, God, to affirm the future of the people in our lives and believe the best no matter what we may see help us see what you see and speak that out in faith thank you God for that amen well, would you stand with me we're going to close uh, in a song of worship and um uh, just take a moment and just let God love on you. Love on him. Let him love on you. And then we'll uh, and then we'll be dismissed here.
Yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your unfailing love. You are faithful to the end. You're faithful to our hearts, Lord Jesus. You care for every part of our life. You see us and you know us and you love us and you're for us. So, Father, we just receive that love and that truth from you this morning. And God, give us the grace to freely give that out. Lord, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God is good. All the time. I love that. Let's do it one more time. God is good. That's right. That's so good. Well, if you guys, if any of you are able to stay for a little bit afterwards, we're going to hit the neighborhoods and, and canvas and let people know about Launch Sunday here in two weeks. And so if you're able to help out with that, that'd be great. Meet John. He's going to gather us together and tell us where we're going, give us a map. And, and uh, if you got kids, kids are great because they can run around and put door hangers on and they're super quick. So uh, love you guys. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.